Well, good evening, everybody. How are you tonight? Good? Good. Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Matt. I'm the pastor here, and we are so glad that you are here. Uh, if you're family, friends, if you're part of our church, if you uh, just haven't been here in a while, we're really glad you came to celebrate uh, this Advent season, especially as we move right into Christmas Eve and into Christmas Day uh, through the Advent story. Uh, we really, really are glad uh, you're here. Uh, I wanted to ask a quick question as we came in. I, I was kind of commenting in the first, uh, the first service at 5 that um, in many places I've traveled and kind of doing some history, kind of research, just how many people in different cultures, um, even though lots of Christmas traditions are very different, how many of them try to do something that resembles like a Christmas tree? No matter where they are and they're celebrating Christmas, there's usually some type of tree uh, involved. And so I wanted to ask this first question um, because I, 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 the first service, I just want to see if anybody here can beat them, okay? I just want to know. They're winning at life, just to let you know. So how many in here, just let me know by raising your hand, how many of you here have like two trees in your house? Raise your hand. <clears throat> That's right. All right, now, if you didn't raise your hand, don't judge these people, okay? Uh, because there's, there's like, sometimes there's the kid's tree, you know, and then there's the, the nice tree, right? All right, how many here have like more than four? Raise your hand. It's okay, yeah, more than four trees, yep. Yeah. yeah, they give me any size, shape, and color, it's fine. More than four, good. How about more than six? No, no more than six. Wait, there's a hand up. Yes? More than six? I'm seeing heads shake no. Okay, all right. So, well, all I can tell you is the first, in the first service they had more than six. I was too embarrassed to ask them how many they had because then I would have definitely judged them. Anyway, um, no, what I, I just wanted to let you know, I, I, I was kind of laughing about the fact that uh, when I first moved here to North Carolina, to the South, um, I, I didn't realize this because I'm from up north, I'm a Canadian, and I didn't realize there was this little bit of tension and controversies around a particular idea around the Christmas tree, and that is whether or not you enjoy colored lights on your Christmas tree, okay? Or, yeah, see, all right, oh, man, several seconds of us is strong, all right, or whether you prefer or demand uh, white lights only on the Christmas tree, right? All right, so I can't tell. So put both pictures up here. Listen, if you enjoy if you enjoy color on your tree, colored lights on your tree, just raise your hand. I want to get a real, real good eye. Oh, there's a lot of good northerners here. That's awesome. Great. How many are white lights only? Southerners. That's right. White lights only. Look at you guys. That's awesome. Well, the reason I said that is as I was doing some some studying on this, um, I was laughing. We were watching Frozen's. Olaf's Frozen Adventure. How many kids know what I'm talking about? Olaf's Frozen uh, Adventure with, with the Frozen people? Yeah. Talking about, yeah. To, uh, and in there, there's a great part talking about the Christmas tree, and it was this statement like, you, you decorate the carcass with candles, basically, right? And I didn't know if you knew that, but back in the 17th century, that's how Christmas lighting of the trees actually started, was actual candles on trees, okay? That's how it started in the 17th century. Not, they didn't have this argument back then, Okay. And what was also very interesting as I was studying was that um, usually on Christmas Eve, um, right around the time they were celebrating Christmas, they would take one of those candles off and they would put it in the window of their home, Christian families. And when the Christian families would do that, it was a sign to everyone else that, if, that, that this was a Christian house. And if you wanted to come in and worship Jesus, the real meaning of Christmas with that family, that you are more than welcome to do so. And that's what the candle in the window 
actually represented. And that's just really cool for me to, to, to see, because that's one of my favorite passages of, in terms of the Advent story and the Advent season. I know Don read Luke 2, and I love Luke 2 in the manger, and Mary and Joseph, and all that happened in terms of the good news of great joy shared because of Jesus' birth. But my favorite passage about Jesus coming to this world is from John, the Gospel writer of John, John 1. And here's how John said it, a little bit more poetic. He said, in the beginning, the Word, he's talking about Jesus in kind of this poetic term. He says, the Word Jesus already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. Talking about Jesus. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one, Jesus, who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. And this is my favorite part of Advent. We've, we've spent all the time talking about all the candles of, of hope and of love and of joy and of peace that Christ brings. But tonight, we're actually lighting the center candle, which is called the Christ candle. That goes along with that, my favorite passage from John 1, that he was the light of life, and he's the light who brings, the true light that brings light to everyone was now coming into the world. That's the best part to me in terms of the Advent stories, understanding that Jesus is the light. Jesus would actually say this about himself. He would uh, a lot of use, sometimes use a lot of the prophetic words from the Old Testament, the, as for they would know the prophets, the, uh, the prophets um, uh, ancient words. And he would use those words and he would say, you know, those walking in darkness have seen a great light. It's like a dawn is kind of awakening for them. And he would talk about himself being the light. Matter of fact, if you read this in John, he says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of this world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. They will have the light of life. And I love the way, uh, again, John puts this because that's kind of a description of life itself. Um, if you've been watching many movies and you've seen people, here, you've seen scenes where people talk about someone dying or um, seeing, they use, sometimes use the phrase that the light goes out of their eyes. Have you ever heard that before? Like in a, in a movie or something? That the light goes out of their eyes because light and life have this beautiful relationship together. That to describe life in you it's actually described as light, that this is what Jesus came to bring. But the reality is, is that when Jesus brought this light, because the light was coming to the world, it was those who followed him that got to experience the light of life. And that puts a little bit of responsibility on us in terms of the fact that Jesus is the light, but we have to receive the light. We have to have a moment in which we not only have an intellectual knowledge of Jesus and the story of Christmas and how all this works with the manger scene, and we have to have some opportunity and some crossroads where we recognize that he is not just the light, but he is the light of life for us. And that what he did on the cross and what he did to pay the penalty for our sin and for your sin and for my sin, that what he did there, he did for us to receive life and life to the full. And we have to receive that light in order to experience the light of life. Again, John, just following in, in the footsteps of the gospel writer John, in John 3, he tells us what happened and why. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, again, those who follow him, 
shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. He said he came to the world. This light came to save the world through him. And a little bit later on in verse 19, he says, this is the verdict now. You can walk in darkness or because the light has come into the world, you now have the option to choose to live and experience the light of life. But we have to receive that light. Now, when we receive that light, we have a call. We understand that Jesus' singular purpose to come to this earth was to live this sinless life and to pay the price for us and to be raised again and to be resurrected so that he could have victory over sin and death. But once we receive that light, we now have a singular purpose, which is part of what we celebrate in the Advent story. And that is our call is to be the light. Our call is to be the light in this world. I'm going to give a quick illustration, and I need a couple volunteers. Let me get uh, two or three kids. Oh, I see a hand already up. Isaac, come on up. Yeah, I see hands already up. Jude, come on up. One more. I got to come over here. Sorry. Who's, who wants to volunteer over here? I got two or three here. Yeah? Yeah, come on up. Come on up. All right. All right, Jude, you're the tallest. I'm going to let you do this. Stand right here. Stand up on top of the stage, okay? I'm going to give this to you. Just hold on to it. I'll tell you what to do with it in just a minute. All right. And what's your name? What's? Sadie. Sadie? I'm going to give this to you here. Okay, you hold this right here. Isaac, come here. You get to be the basket, okay? I'm going to tell you what to do in just a minute. Hold the basket right here, okay? This is how Jesus described this to us in terms of what our call was. Because Jesus said he was the light, light of the world, but then later on as he was kind of ending his ministry, he wanted to continue to challenge and push out his disciples. So he said this. He said, you now are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's what you are. He's talking to his people. And then he gave the example, practical example. No one lights a lamp. You're the lamp, Sadie, okay? Good. You're doing a great job, by the way. Okay, awesome. You're the lamp that puts, uh, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. All right, Isaac, you're the basket. Let's see, turn it over. No, don't break my basket, Isaac. Okay, here we go. All right, right here, you hold it. And you put it over top of the light, okay? Nope, other way around. Look at that. Yeah, over top, just like that. Look at that. Hold it. There we go. Now, if it feels and looks awkward, it's because it is, right? That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, listen, nobody does this. Nobody's going to light a light and then put a bowl or put a basket over it. He said, no. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. Jude is the stand. Hold that light up. And it's placed on a stand where it gives light to, read the word, to who? It gives light to everyone in the house, right? And he said, this is what this life looks like to be the light. He says, in the same way as this, not this, in the same way as this, good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Matter of fact, Luke says it this way. He says that when you're filled with light and there's no dark corners, okay, there's nothing kind of hiding that light, then your whole life will be, what's the word out loud? Radiant. Beautiful. Hey, give these guys a quick hand for giving a great illustration. Thank you, guys. You guys did great. Isaac didn't break my basket. Good job, Isaac. Sadie, thank you so much. You guys rock. But that's what we're called to be. And that's what, if I could just give you a bottom line in terms of just our part of the Advent story. Because again, we've celebrated all of this in light of what Jesus has done. But we get to participate. We get a part of this story. 
understanding that Jesus is the light. It's the first acknowledge him. And then we have to receive the light. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's a step you haven't taken yet. I want to challenge you to take that step tonight. You haven't received it personally. Receive that light of life for your life. But for all of us who have, for those who do, those who follow him, we are now charged to be the light. And I know there's a lot that's going to happen over the next 24 to 48 hours as you prepare tonight for Christmas Eve, as you prepare, you know, late in the evening tonight, as you prepare in the morning for Christmas Day, and maybe you have family members that are here, or you're going to see people in the next 24 to 48 hours. I know there's a lot of things that want to preoccupy your mind, but I want you to have this question in your mind. How can you be the light this Christmas? How can you show that? How can you put it on a stand for all to see and represent? I understand, listen, there's a lot of merriment and joy that comes with the Christmas season, but there's a lot of people who struggle this time of year with grief and sorrow and pain. How can you be the light to those people in your life? Right? Kids, how can you be the light to your parents and encourage them to be the light? As your mom is freaking out tomorrow because the house isn't perfect and people are coming over, you know, and you know, kids, you just go to your mom and say, Mom, don't worry, be the light. That's all you got to say, okay? Mom, don't worry, be the light, right? Be the light, Mom. How can you with your friends and family members just over the next couple days, as all of you are talking about what you got for Christmas and what you didn't get and how busy it's been, how can you take a moment and be the light of Jesus? in their life. That's what we're called to do. That's our part in this amazing story. Peter said it this way. As a charge to the people of God, he said, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's our call. To praise our God who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we get to participate in this Advent story. Over the last month, we love just learning and hearing more and more and more about this beautiful manger scene and the way the angels proclaim good news of great joy for all people. We're so thankful, God. But tonight, as we recognize, God, that you are the light through Jesus coming into this world to give life to everyone, that not everyone has received your light. And so, God, tonight for anyone in here who you may be, through your Holy Spirit, just tugging on their heart, they understand who you are and they understand what the story's about, but they have never received the gift of your son, Jesus. God, I just want to lead in this simple prayer for those that are here and for those that are watching and streaming in, that if they would just say this simple prayer, they could receive the light tonight. If you just say these words, Jesus, I can no longer do this on my own. Jesus, I believe you are God, that you paid the price for my sin and you rose again to give me victory over sin and death. Jesus, I want to receive your light. And God, with those words, we as a church just recognize and remember 
you tonight. Remember the purpose of why you came. Remember the beautiful story, and we take the charge seriously that we're called to be the light to this world and to be your light that never can be extinguished. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.